Hi, my friends, and welcome to episode 198 of Keeping Up with the King. This is our series through Matthew, and when I say our, I mean me and you, my faithful listener. And um, hey, we are in Matthew chapter 19, and we've been reading about the Pharisees, and they are testing Jesus. They're trying to catch him in a, um, they're trying to catch him in a uh, biblical pickle. They're trying to get him in a social issue, catch him up in this so that he will um, be unpopular with people that uh, they can uh, at least make half the Jews hate him. So, um, And so they were questioning him on marriage. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? That's verse three. And Jesus answered and he said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. All right. So there's some complex stuff here. Uh, and what I want to talk about today I don't want to get into um, all the but what ifs. Um, that's something we maybe we'll talk about tomorrow. All the but what if? What if he beats you? But what if he is a jerk? But what if she is violent? But what if he abandons you? But what if she, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I, my, my goal is to talk about that tomorrow or eventually yeah, before we're done with Matthew chapter 19, because I think those are all legitimate questions, but I want to start someplace else. And that is this, uh, quite a few years ago, I was talking to, uh, my youth group and I don't recall if we were going through what book of the Bible we were going through. It may have been Matthew at the time. I don't recall, but we, for some reason we were on this scripture and, and, uh, we had gotten on the topic of marriage and I was talking about what Jesus said about marriage and the grounds for divorce and afterwards I got an email from one of the girls in my youth group and somebody I didn't know really well but uh, she she'd been coming for a little while and she asked about just kind of a general question like so are you saying that Jesus said the only legitimate reason for a divorce is sexual immorality because later on he's going to say in verse 9 and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. And so that saying, she emailed me and said, well, what Jesus said, you know, what, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And then the other part you read was that the only grounds for divorce that Jesus gave was sexual immorality. And she's, so I, I, I don't remember the exact wording of the question, but it was worded in such a way that I thought, I think maybe her parents have been divorced and I didn't know who her dad was, but I had met her mom and I knew her mom was a Christian. And I think I, and I was getting the impression that she was struggling with this idea of, wait, my parents are divorced and, but they're, but they're Christians. And I don't think they cheated on each other. And this is really troubling to me. And 
it ends up actually what's 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 interesting about this whole thing is I was totally wrong. Uh, I I had misread the situation. I'd misread her question. I didn't know her parents' situation. They were still married. Um, I did. I th I thought she was asking me something for a reason that she wasn't asking. All she was asking for was clarification that she understood what I said. I thought she was trying to. Well, I thought she was looking at her life and saying, I've got a problem with this. I've got a problem with the application here because I think this means what, I, you know, what I mentioned. I think this means my parents are, have, you know, they've divorced and married others and they're Christians and they, there was no sexual immorality. So therefore they're committing adultery and this is a big problem. So, um, but in my answer for her, um, I, I tried to focus on her rather than other people because she was a young single girl. And from that email, something very profound came to me. And I, I don't believe that this is something that I came up with. I think this is one of those things that happens when you open up God's word and you start sharing it, when you start dwelling on it, meditating on it, God reveals things to you. And I think this is something that God really showed me. And, and I, I, I took this back and I've shared this with youth group kids many times. And that is this, when we read this and we understand this is God's standard for marriage. Now we're going to see this standard that, that Jesus talks about his, his disciples are going to ask him questions about it. And they're even going to get to the point where they're like, if this is the case, it's better for a man not to, you know, it's better for a man not to marry. To them in their mindset, they were like, what? This this standard is way too high. We I wouldn't even get married because I'm the, I'm not gonna be able to do this. That I mean, that seems to be their the mindset of the people at the time, the culture at the time. This seemed extreme, what Jesus is saying. Being married to one person for life seemed extreme to them. When he says what God has joined together, let, let no man separate. And the disciples are like, Whoa, then it's probably better for you not to get married. See, and here's the thing. When we understand God's standard, it should make us have a better understanding of the gravity of the situation. I remember a number of years ago, I was talking to a girl that I worked with and we were both summer camp counselors and she was talking about how she had gotten married. And, and I said something like, well, isn't it hard to be working here at an overnight summer camp while you're away from your husband? And she was like, Oh yeah, well he's in the Marines and he's gone all day anyway. So, you know, it's okay. We, we fight a lot. We're together anyway. So, you know, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get divorced. And, and I remember thinking like, that seems so wrong to me. Like, well, if it doesn't work, we'll just get divorced. There was something in me where I was like, that just doesn't seem right. Like, what a horrible attitude to have about your marriage. Like, eh, if it doesn't work, we'll just get divorced. Like, like it was just such a simple thing. And what it kind of occurred to me as I was reading this and what I shared with this young lady in my youth group was that when we look at our future, when I look ahead, when asking you, if you're an unmarried person, when you're looking ahead and you're thinking about marriage, understand God's plan and God's desire for it. 
And if you can't, if you can't commit to that other person, like, no, this is once for life. This is my person for life. Divorce is not an option because it's not pleasing to God. If you cannot marry that person with confidence that you're going to stick with that person, no matter what for life, then don't marry them. If you see in them something that says this person tends to be violent or this person tends to be verbally abusive or unkind, or I see that they treat other people badly, don't marry that person. Don't marry potential. Don't marry potential. So who do I marry, Mike? You marry the person whose walk with Jesus you admire. The person you look at them and you go, man, I want to, I want to be like that with the Lord. Marry a person who you admire, not because they're hot, not because of how they make you feel, but a person who you look at and you say, I admire the way that person treats people. I admire the way that person loves people. I admire the way that person seeks the Lord. And you might say, I don't know anybody like that. That's okay. You don't need to marry any of those other people. You just seek after Jesus and you be that kind of person. You be the kind of person that when other people look at you, they go, man, I want to be like that. Because you know what you're going to attract? You're going to attract another person who is that way. You're going to find yourself serving the Lord, pursuing him, and you're going to find somebody else in the stride with you, seeking him like you're seeking him. And then you seek him together. That's how you do it. Now, if you're already married, this is a different thing, right? This is what I was telling my kids. I was saying you pursue holiness, right? That's what I was telling my kids. When you look ahead, you look ahead in holiness. You look ahead for that best possible thing you can do, right? You're trying to, you're striving for righteous living, living holy unto the Lord. But here's the thing that often happens when we look back, we look back at our life, we look back in holiness and we see a train wreck and we can become very discouraged and very beaten down and we can wallow in our failures. And I think the important thing there is for us to look back in grace, look back knowing that you're forgiven, look back knowing that those sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, that they've been sufficiently paid for. And then move on with pursuing holiness in our future. The problem is for many of us is we switch them. We look back in holiness and we beat ourselves up. We look back in holiness and we see all of our shortfallings. And rather than that driving us to Jesus, it drives us to despair. Or we look ahead in grace. And we think, well, I'm forgiven. So I can just do this. It's okay because God will forgive me. And we, we pursue less than holiness. We pursue sin thinking, well, grace is there. Where sin abounds, grace abounds the more, right? And we forget that there's a reason that sin is sin. And it's not just because sin is bad. It's because sin is destructive. Sin isn't bad because God forbids it. God forbids it because it's bad. It brings about slavery, shame, and death, as I've told you many times. So why would I pursue that? Why would I make that something I 
I aim at. No, you aim at holiness. And if you fail, then you walk in grace, you look back in grace and you say, praise God, I'm forgiven. And you get back to pursuing holiness. So for our single people today, that's what your goal is, is to pursue God's standard for marriage. Not less than figuring, well, God's grace is sufficient. No, you pursue the highest standard. Don't say, well, I'm just supposed to marry a Christian, right? Well, that's just saying I'm supposed to eat food. Yeah, you're supposed to eat food, but if you just eat crap all the time, it's going to negatively affect your life forever. If you just say, well, she's a Christian, I'm a Christian, let's get married. That may not be enough and you may end up damaged for life with a marriage that's constantly, constantly a struggle and constantly uncomfortable because your standard was too low. So lift your standards. If you're going to get married, marry that person who you, who's a relationship with God you admire. And not just admire a little, but maybe admire above all else. God bless you. Talk to you next time.